Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Welcome back to CSM Office Hours. Uh, this is our third session now. Uh, next week, our fourth one will be kind of our test period. Uh, and we'll let you guys know, kind of coming out of that, um, what's been happening and uh, give you some more perspective on where this is going to go in the future. But um, right now, the idea is just trying to connect CSMs and peers of one another, individual contributors with one another, uh, talk about tactical pieces, um, see how we're doing things on a day-to-day -day basis, how can we all get better. Um, so just trying to do that. Um, we've invited about 150 people um, so far, and then generally have about 30 to 50 people on each call. Um, I would suspect after week four, we're going to try and you know make this group bigger, get diverse voices, um, try and just expand where we can. Uh, try and drive some some good conversations. Uh, hopefully the group gets bigger, we get more opinions, uh, everybody gets better, new ideas come flowing in, that kind of thing. So uh, we will start to look for that. Um, a couple of other things, I forgot to send out the survey last week or else I would share and be transparent about results, uh, about how we're doing. So um, I think it went okay. I think it went better than the first week, but I also think there's room to improve. Um, and then this week I've already got the, don't worry, I've already got the survey queued up. So once we end, I'm gonna press send. So we will have data to share next week just about how uh, perceptions of, this group here, you know, what's the kind of what's your NPS on the sessions? Uh, what can we be doing better? What can we be doing different? So uh, we'll get some more perspective as we go on um, from that as well. And then um, CS leadership office hours, if you guys want to attend that, it's on Thursdays at 1130. Um, topics are a little bit more geared towards, um, you know, people management, geared towards strategy um, and geared towards kind of executive, but we, you know, open and free to anybody. So if you want to join that, it's Thursdays at 1130. Um, if you haven't already, go to gaingrowretain.com, sign up for an account. Uh, tons of great discussion that's happening in there. Uh, Catalyst Coaching Corner, we launched last week. Uh, so coaching mentor program um, that we are partnering with Catalyst.io, which is a customer success tool. Um, so if you're interested in that, uh, either shoot me a note or you can go probably find it on LinkedIn, a bunch of different places, but there's an application form you can sign up. Um, you get sessions with a kind of leader in the space. Uh, there's 30 leaders that they're doing it with right now, but I think we're quickly gonna have to expand that program because we got uh, a ton of applications. So um, that's great. And um, let's see, with that, I don't think there's any more announcements. So uh, again, if you guys wanna hop into the Slido, jot down a question, vote up a question that you already see in there. Um, we will start to tackle these. Uh, I'm gonna give you guys a, a minute to do that. Uh, we'll start to tackle these. I'm going to share my screen so that we can start to kind of see these one by one pop up. Um, and we will go through that. Uh, if you do, hopefully you guys can see that. Um, let me move this over here. Uh, if you don't mind as well, um, if you can be on video, I think there's a ton of us already are. If you can be on video, that's great. Um, it'd be awesome just to help the flow of the discussion. Um, I need to pull up my participant window. Uh, if you do have some thoughts, if you look in the bottom right hand corner of your window, there should be a raise hand button. So we'll try and, there's only 30 of us, so I'm actually not that worried about it. Uh, but if you want to raise your hand, go ahead. Um, otherwise, we'll kick the conversation just around, uh, call on people, get perspective um, on some of these topics. So um, I actually wrote this first one just as a filler question, but it looks like it got voted up to the top. So we'll talk about it real quick um, and go from there. So how do you shift a conversation with a customer to be focused on outcomes? Um, all they think about is product issues and bugs. Um, so I'll give you maybe a little bit of perspective and then we'd love to hear some of your ideas so um, in our organization, I just joined HireLogic about three weeks ago. Um, and I think we have a hard time right now because um, there's been a challenge in the past with support and there's been a challenge in the past with um, just how we communicate with customers uh, about you know, things that they're seeing in the software, challenges that they're having. And so I think we've unfortunately not had a great idea of 
you know, how do we get them thinking about the outcomes they're achieving with our software? How do we get them focused on you know, what their strategy is, what their goals are as they use um, the product as we go forward? And so naturally, I think we've just kind of uh, brought the conversation down a rung. And um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of ideas to help our CSM team kind of get back into the elevated conversation about how is our product really helping to enable our customers um, about, you know, things that they can go achieve, things that we're doing, how does it fit into their um, executive team goals and what they're trying to accomplish this year. So I'm just trying to figure out ways that we can help our CSM team to go drive that. So um, that's kind of the context. If you guys have any thoughts or ideas, it uh, looks like Bert, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll kick it over to you first. Uh, but if anybody else has any thoughts uh, or wants to contribute, raise your hand uh, and we'll, we'll start to go down. But Bertel, what, what, uh, what are your thoughts when we initially talk about that? Thanks, Jeff. Uh, hi, everyone. This is a really exciting question and a, a challenge that I think we all are facing at Gartner. We have a specific framework to tackle that throughout the year, starting at the, uh, um, at the service kickoff. We have a whole slide dedicated to what we call the corporate objective, which is a very high level at an executive level where where the company wants to be in the next five years in terms of revenue, market share. And then we break it down per practice, per team, called the mission critical priorities. It's essentially when you are speaking with the head of product, the one who are making decision about the product itself, where do they want to be and what are the features that they are looking to achieve, but trying to quantify as much as possible. And then we go down to client initiatives, milestone and so on. And this is a slide that I keep bringing up during our weekly sync, quarterly review, yearly update. Uh, when it comes to the, when, uh, when the license is about to expire three months prior to the expression, we, go, we schedule a time to review that, to align it again with our deliverable and make sure that we are on track. So uh, even though our client are really eager thinking short term about the product and the deliverable, I keep reminding them what's ahead of them. Let me help you. The way I position that is, uh, I would say, hey, Jeff, my job is essentially to help you to get this sweet check, bonus check at the end of the year. And so we can work with you short term, but my job is how can I help you, Jeff, to get this bonus check at the end of the year? And from there, we work backward. We create an engagement plan and say, quarter one, two, three, this is where you need to be. This is what success means. And this is how I can help you with our services our platform to get there. But I keep reminding Jeff about this check at the end of the year, and it's about the big picture. And then we work on the little things offline almost by email. The, I have an issue with this product. Sure, let me handle that. I introduce the person, the client to the right person to handle the short-term challenge, but keep reminding Jeff about these bonus at the end of the year and this check and work again toward that overall goal. Hope it's helpful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it sounds like, Brittle, uh, just a follow-up question there. So it sounds like you guys, you introduced that. I think um, that similarly to me, kind of, we used to, we used to introduce um, a success plan, which I think sounds very similar to what you are, right? Which is the, what are we trying to achieve? How can we document that in the, in the appropriate way? And then that becomes kind of our, hey, we're going to refer back to this mm -hmm. at every stage. Um, yes. Are you, are you instituting that right from the, the kind of the first day of the relationship or is that done in sale? Like, how are you kind of thinking about filling out that document? Is that, a, you know, is that a one-on-one -on -one conversation or is that a group thing? Like, how do you just kind of facilitate maybe that success plan building that you guys are doing? So that's, it, it started with um, an overall hypothesis. Um, I'm during the SKO, when we move from sales, in our case, BD to us, I just use the SKO just to pause and dedicate one slide about, hey, Jeff. Remind me, why have you signed up with us? What are you trying to achieve? 
where do you want to be? Why, why us? And why not another competitor? Why us? The how, the why, and the quantify. And so with his help, or her, in your case, Jeff, we are working on the goals, but I'm always coming equipped with assumption and said, hey, from what understanding, from your competitors, from the market, from the product, this is my own understanding of where you as a company, you as a team, you as an individual want to be in the next year. And we align my vision with your vision, Jeff. And so we, and then from then I built from the following the first conversation, I go backward and build a whole 12 or 24 months uh, engagement plan. Who Jeff needs to talk with, which are the product that Jeff needs to be aligned with and align everything with what you told me, what I think you need to do. And on a quarterly or even monthly basis, this is a document that you keep updating and you share that on a, on a Google spreadsheet just to be always aligned and no surprises. At the end, when it comes to renewal, three months prior renewal, no surprises. He or she has all the information in front of them. They know what has been delivered. Everything has been quantified. And so the conversation is no longer, can you invest more with us? Are you going to renew Is All right, so what's next? It's just purely admin. It's not even a sales conversation. We move on to a new license, we grow, and there are no sales related conversation. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. And I love the, the, I love the way you position that too, right? Because the, if we're doing all those things in the success plan, the renewal should really become a formality. It should just be a, you know, we should just be able to get the, the signed contract through. Um, another element that this brings up for me too, and one way that I've done in my past to kind of bring the conversation out of kind of product bigs and or product bugs and, um, and things that maybe are a little bit, you know, tactical. Um, I always like to also think about just asking the question to my champion sometimes about, hey, what do you need to go present internally in the organization? Like, what's the next big meeting that you have upcoming? Um, hey, what's, what can I help with? Because then that helps, again, kind of realign me from the customer success position as like, hey, I can help you go build that presentation you have to go give. We can get metrics. We can get our roadmap. We can get things that are going to be helpful to that person. So that's another way that I like to try and, and drive the conversation up as well. But uh, Michael, let's kick it over to you um, and see what you've got to add here as well. Yeah, I think ideally you'd, you'd love to instill those those expectations and reverse engineer those outcomes from the kickoff, right? But I think, you know, a lot of us run into situations where we're, you know, mid-relationship and there are bugs and there are issues and uh, customers really want to kind of get bogged down on that stuff. So how do you get yourself out of that that stage with them and go back to reinforce the outcomes that you probably set up in the beginning of the relationship? And I think as a, as a CS professional, it's, it's, it is challenging. And I think there are avenues you can take. And one of them that I've, I've done in the past is leveraging your executive. So on an executive to executive kind of basis, have them reach out to the executive and set up time to speak because, you know, you might be blocked from that executive. They don't really want to talk to you unless you're figuring out their, their product issues. Um, and it's hard to get out of that, that kind of uh, perception with them. And I think to your point, uh, Bertel early on, if you can instill in them and educate them on what your role is, if you're really, really specific on what you do, how you do it and why you do it, um, you put your, yourself in a position when you know, you're meeting with them on a, on a regular basis that they aren't focusing on bugs. You know, they, they want to talk about their joint success criteria and moving their business forward and having higher level type conversations and not the kind of day-to-day, -day, very tactical type of support issues. So, you know, leveraging your executives, as well as it might be an opportunity to switch up the customer success managers. I think, you know, new blood uh, presents an opportunity to come in there and kind of reconfirm what those outcomes are and, you know, be able to kind of move them forward in a situation where 
you know, they're being unresponsive and all they want to do is talk about kind of bugs and issues. So I think those are two kind of tactics you could leverage. Yeah, those are great examples too, because I think the, to your point, the, the first one uh, around executive engagement, I like a lot because it, I think one thing that I've noticed in my career is that I tend to think I have to go do everything. Uh, it's just first of all, my personality, but then I also think it's largely the position we're put inside the company sometimes and understanding who your resources are internally that can help you go have some of these discussions and have some of the, the you know, who can provide value to the, to the client um, can also be helpful. So thinking about executives, thinking about other, even just leaders across the organization, like maybe you need to have your support leader come in and just have a conversation and say, hey, here's what we're doing to improve support. And it just needs to be an email and it's quick and we can actually send that out to multiple customers. So I think there's a couple of stages to think about. One is how do we, if, there, if we are having a ton of support issues, how do we make sure and, and actually make sure that's being solved first? Like how are we actually solving that inside the business? And then how are we communicating that to customers? Because generally, if that's something we're trying to solve inside the business, then somebody's already having that challenge um, as well, like our multiple customers are. So trying to figure out what that communication strategy is, I think can also be really helpful um, to try and give some support to you, Michael. You know, it's, it's communication that doesn't necessarily have to come from you um, or anybody, right? It can come from a support leader. It can come from somebody else inside the customer organization, but somebody to, to help alleviate and say, hey, we actually are trying to improve this situation and here's the steps that we're taking to do it. Yeah, I think it also depends on, your product and your company and how you guys differentiate between CS and support. You know, I think it's also very important what I've used in the past is we put up two slides of what customer success is and what support is. And you can really differentiate very early on this way. You are seen as a trusted advisor and more of a strategic resource rather than a support rep. So I think yeah. earlier you can kind of differentiate and tell the story that you are there to help kind of improve outcomes and you are their business partner and not the support rep. Um, that's always worked kind of in my benefit as well. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, we'll hit on two more people and then we'll get to the next question and we'll kind of uh, move the discussion. But so Kevin, Leonard, you want to go ahead and come off mute and uh, give us some of your thoughts here? Absolutely. So uh, one of my accounts that I have at Ring Central um, brings up a product issue like every week. Um, but one of the things that I also realized about this account is that they also buy. And for somebody that seems to not have um, a great confidence in the amount of, uh, of issues that we have, they also keep buying more licenses. They also uh, keep uh, purchasing more uh, professional services time. Um, and they also are one of my best customers when it comes to um, outreach and uh, adoption. Uh, so one thing to also keep in mind is that just because that they bring up all these product issues doesn't make them a great customer. What we have to do is look at the overall customer health uh, to see if the, these are customers that we can bring on these conversations of, um, where we could focus on outcomes. So uh, when it comes to a customer like this, um, the format that I usually use to speak with them uh, during my cadence calls are going to be starting off with opening the floor uh, with any high, high point concerns that they have, um, then going over the list of, uh, of issues that they had and what we're doing to address them. Then after that, we start to actually talk about um, the, the uh, success plan that we have and the goals that we want want to be able to reach because I realize when it comes to accounts like this uh, is that we just need to participate in a little bit of a give and take. The reason why they, they chirp so much is because they want to be heard and the very first thing that we need to uh, realize is that we need to make sure that their voices are heard and make sure that they feel like uh, we're uh, we're working towards the things that they, uh, that they have issues with but then also there are going to be some product issues and some bugs that they they have that we're just not going to have an answer for right now. So um, those are things that we can keep inching towards 
but at least they know that we're still hearing them, that they understand uh, what, what needs to be done for us to reach there. But we're also kind of inching on the uh, side of helping with their issues, but also inching uh, on the other side uh, towards their adoption goals as well. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I like that a lot, Kevin. And I like the idea too of, you know, just because they're having a bad product experience uh, or maybe they're having some support challenges doesn't necessarily mean it's a huge red flag. Obviously we want to fix those things, but at the same time, if they're purchasing, if they're largely upbeat, like there's other factors that go into this uh, that you need to consider. Um, I like a point Katie just mentioned in the chat as well, just about, you know, when there are product updates, when we are doing things to improve, like how are we communicating that? Uh, I think, again, I'm only three weeks into higher logic and I'm noticing, you know, how many things are changing and what's happening and how um, sometimes we miss, we miss some communications. And to me, it's like, if we can get that in a, in a nice working rhythm and we can make sure that there's always an owner around the communication, it's actually going out. I think that's just going to be a huge um, point to reinforce value uh, back from the customer base. So I like that. Um, cool. Jeremy, let's hit on you and then we'll, we'll switch topics here um, to the next one. So go ahead and come off mute and give us some of your, your thoughts on this. Yeah, sure. I think Kevin covered the majority of, of what I was going to say. I think what I would add is, 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 basically keeping it front and center in the customer conversation and, and always asking uh, always asking the questions that are looking forward um, don't wait for i don't know what acronym you use a qbr a program review an annual business review don't wait for those big meeting moments to be having those strategic forward thinking conversations um, and one sometimes in just the, the basic conversation that's similar to what kevin just shared is that you dress if you address what is most important to them first you then get the right to ask the question of where are you going? How are we performing against those milestones? How are, um, do you feel that we're meeting the outcomes that you originally bought us for? Um, and, and that really, uh, people like talking about themselves, their problems, their challenges, their successes. So if you start there, um, the, everything else is kind of gravy on top. So um, Kevin, I, I appreciate you sharing kind of what your format is for the, those calls. Um, I don't think I have it quite as outlined as, as you probably do, but I, I do follow a similar format. So yeah, great, great discussion. I like that point that uh, people like to talk about themselves because I think that's uh, generally true. And I think if you just get the conversation going, if you ask the right questions, then largely you're going to start to uncover a lot of things. So I think that's a really good point um, there, Jeremy. Awesome. Well, um, so I think a couple of things maybe to, to close off this topic that we, we talked about. So I think from Bertle's perspective, you know, how do we have that success plan baked out? Um, how do we have something that we can always refer the customer back to and drive the conversation? Um, I think we talked about asking the right questions. So um, again, one of the questions I like to use is just uh, what's the next presentation upcoming that you're given internally, something like that, that helps just guide the conversation back into something that they're going to have to go accomplish. And then how can I kind of attach myself to, to that? Um, how can I get into their cadence and um, kind of remove, remove myself from the support issues or something that they might be having as a challenge? Um, and then I think, you know, to Kevin's point, having a framework, starting to think about how they're you know, not only if they're having potentially support issues, but what are the other elements that the customer is having in terms of their experiences and do they, are they generally good? Are they generally bad? Um, and how do we, how do we kind of keep that in the frame of mind as we go into conversations um, or a couple of things there? So we will move on. Uh, Nathan, I think you threw out a question. Um, I'd love for you to maybe just build a little bit of context here um, and help maybe just read your question, kind of give us some of the background of, of why you're asking it. Um, if you don't mind coming off of mute and, uh, and then we can go from there and, and get some opinions around the room and uh, some ideas to help. Sure. No problem. Um, Yes, my question at its face value is really what the question is. Um, I'm dealing with a pretty large book of business for SMB customers uh, and trying to figure out how to basically tackle, like who, who do you prioritize? Do you prioritize the uh, trash can that's on fire or do you prioritize uh, people who have a lot of potential to upsell, grow with your customer base, uh, become those amazing references? Like my, my gut, my hypothesis, my theory is 
stick with the people that are bringing benefit and that you can upsell. Uh, but then the, the, the question then follows after that is then, well, where do then the problem people fall? And so again, backing that up, I want to first hear, am I thinking about that correctly? <laughs> Does everyone else say, yeah, prioritize the value people? Or is there actually reasons to maybe prioritize those flaming trash cans first over your valued customers? So hopefully that helps. Yeah, it does. Uh, let me ask you one more, one follow-up question. Maybe yeah. that helps give us even more context too. When you think about the, the uh, trash can that's on fire and the you know potential of the upsell you know, of the customers that you do have, um, would you say that they're both ideal use cases for your products? Like, are they, are, you know, is the trash can are they, you know, can they be salvaged? And are they people who um, in the industry are going to go, you know, potentially give bad reviews? Like, are people are potentially are we going to try and reference them later in life um, or later in our customer life cycle? Is that probably the first question? Maybe to give us some more context here. Yeah, great question. So, yeah, I'm dealing in an industry that particularly is a little bit snap, to, uh, snap judgment. Um, they kind of react. It's like, oh, if something is wrong right now, then I'm going to go find something else. <laughs> so we, we tend to see a high churn rate for, you know, small little things that really, in the grand scheme of things, going back to the conversation we just had, like, are we being successful? Absolutely. Are they still getting value out of us? Absolutely. But these little tiny things will come up and they'll be like, all right, I got to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm out of here. See ya. A lot of times, though, if we are able to save those customers three, six months from now, they don't even remember that amazingly huge inconvenience that almost took them away from us because it really wasn't <laughs> that big of a yeah. deal. So, yeah, that, that's, I think, maybe that helps to help flush things out a little bit more. It does, yeah. And I've got two more follow-up questions. Sorry, I'm uh, elongating this. But if we have a lot of people who are curious to give answers. And I want to make sure we have some even more context as we go. But um, you don't have to tell us the exact amount because I, you know, I don't want to put you in that position. But, like, rough – like how many customers do you have? Like rough, figure, are we talking like thousands? Are we talking hundreds? Like where, just give us a ballpark maybe of like where. Yeah, so the, uh, yeah, so right now I am responsible for 440 okay. uh, customers, uh, clients. Um, and that is supposed to be more at the thousand range, but the whole book of business has been kind of a new implementation for our organization. So there's another question in there about, <laughs> uh, yeah, implementation of a book of business. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of new for me as well. So I'm trying to figure out what, what is that right. Okay, cool. Um, it's helpful context. Um, awesome. It looks like we've got a ton of raised hands, which is fun. Uh, Chris Nesbitt, looks like you've had your hand raised. Um, do you want to go ahead and come off mute and maybe give Nathan some of your thoughts on, on his question? Hi, everybody. Hi, Nathan. That's a great uh Great question, and what comes to mind for me is to get your head around this sense of urgency. That's what I always found, that everybody is, you know, in critical, like this is so hugely important, and sometimes it's, it's not. Um, it is in their mind, of course, um, so I think that you have to acknowledge that and, and let them know, perhaps, that I'll get back to you in 24 hours or something, and then you can take a, you know, sort of deep breathe and, and um, strategize and figure out a really good, good response that acknowledges their concern and perhaps can, you, you, um, align with some other members of the team or, you know, your product team or something and see if there's some similar, similar issues and, and put, um, put some responses together. But I would just you know, maybe think about not getting caught up in this, this, um, like I said, the, the sense of urgency, because I, I think we all have a habit of doing that, because we're afraid that we're going to lose the, lose the business, lose the customer. And that's really not always the case. So that's my, my food, food for thought. Yeah, I love that point, too, because I think uh, maybe what you're getting at the heart of is something I was thinking about too, Chris, which is also like, how do you, to your point at the end, like, how do you start grouping or categorizing some of these customers together? So the ones who are potentially having, you know, <laughs> 
I just keep going back to the trash can on fire, like you described, but like, you know, in, in that trash can, can you start to decipher, you know, groups or clusters of customers that are having the same challenge or having the same problem? And how can you start to think about a more, um, a more scaled approach to try and go handle that? And then I also think on the, you do that same thing on the good side, right? On the customers that you do think you can expand, like, are there similarities or commonalities that you can start to decipher there? And then, you know, it's more bang for your buck because then you can go internally to the organization and say, Hey, I've got, you know, maybe it is a hundred customers, but now I've got four buckets of 25 each that um, we, you know, have opportunities for differently. One is two of them might be negative, you know, the other two uh, scenarios might be positive, but if you can start to think about it like that, then you can come up with some coordinated strategies internally at the organization that help you go um, drive into those, I think. And, uh, and that'll be really helpful. Um, Katie, looks like you had your hand raised. So I think this is an interesting question that we're going to continue to deal with, like in our position. And I, and to my, I was going to make a similar point, like you have to find some interests or some common themes that are happening so that you can start to get ahead of it. But we're always going to be working in fire and like in the future. So we have to divide our time. So, I mean, if we're always working in that trash can, it's so fatiguing and you feel like you're never getting ahead. So you have to like break up part of your day and block off. Like I'm going to deal with fires for 20% of my day, but then I need to work with something that makes me, gives back to my job to keep me going and feel like you're having some success because you're going to grow those partners that are happy and then you're going to be able to find those themes and raise up the other partners. So I don't think there's a clear answer and we're always going to be working in between the two. And I think it depends on your appetite for the garbage can one day or the fire, whatever, I can't remember what we're calling it, but, and the success that you're seeing with your other, your other partners. So there's no clear balance. I think it's a, we're going to be asking ourselves this question daily. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, and I, and I like the, the, um, reference to, to, trying to figure out, you know, inside the customer base as well, like where, again, how can you start to create some of these cohorts? And then, uh, because I also think that drill, and maybe this is where you were going to Katie, like, I think this drives the conversation for you internally, Nathan, to help understand what the business wants you to prioritize, right? Because I think that's really the ultimate question is, um, I know you're, I know you feel like you're fighting this on the front lines by yourself, but really it's like, how can you go frame the, the question and the problem back internally in the organization and say, I've got these four buckets of customers. Where do you all want me to prioritize my time? And then we're going to go start doing this. And then you could actually put metrics around it. I actually think it'd be a really nice framework for you to, to kind of go, you know, have that conversation and be able to have uh, almost like your own kind of MBOs or quarterly business objective type of framework where it's like, Hey, I'm, this is my priorities right now. And, and you can outline that for yourself. And then maybe that's a framework that your team starts using as well. Uh, as another one. Um, Matt Vidala, looks like you had a, your hand raised as well. What are some of your thoughts? Um, so I guess first off, is my audio coming in all right? I changed up, thanks. Cool, <laughs> thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, Jeff, you, know, you and the team know, I, time and time again, I always try to emphasize team building. And I think that this is a great opportunity to really leverage the entirety of the organization, especially bringing support into the loop with things. Nathan, you know, you're referring to, you have a lot of people bringing smaller things, just constantly bringing them up, bringing them up. And I think it's a great opportunity to look and say, hey, got, you know, hey, sport team, they're bringing something up. You know, either do we have a trajectory of tickets? Do we have um, a, a, a flat line of tickets? Are they giving the same thing over and over again? Are we not hitting? Then the CSMs can really partner with the support people who are constantly branded as the reactive team. You can react to that garbage can, uh, that, that garbage can on fire, and that dumpster fire, as I like to call it. <laughs> and I mean, that's really what that warrants is reactivity. And then you as the CSM can be really proactive with your champions and go out and say, here's how we want to move forward with things. And then if the support team needs to double back and say, hey, listen, we've done what we can, they still have some other maybe longer term, bigger picture issues. You can, again, double back, partner with the support team and look to see, hey, how can I as a CSM, the, the relationship builder, contribute to this or then step in? 
based on where the support team has laid a basis and say, okay, we've addressed a functionality issue, we've addressed a reactivity issue, how can I now strategize with you to maybe move things forward? And then you as a CSM can take one stance, constantly moving things forward, you're moving things forward with your champions and moving things forward with your dumpster fires. And then hopefully, as Chris, as Katie, as a lot of people here have brought up, keep your mind in one, <laughs> in one place and maintain your sanity a bit. Hope that helps. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, I tend to think in frameworks a lot too, Nathan. And so I, I like what Rizel, I think hopefully I pronounced her name right, but Rizel put into the um, chat. She mentioned that, that they actually look at a, we used to do this at Customer Imperative uh, for our consulting business, but looking at um, kind of segmenting your customers into a, a simple X and Y framework. So uh, four box of, you know, how much, how much are they paying you today versus what the opportunity value is of what they're going to pay you in the future and trying to figure out which box they really fit in um, to try and, again, I think that paints context if you go have the conversation internally to where are these customers coming from, um, you know, wh where do they mean to the business, where's the opportunity. Um, so I think it's another piece to think about. And we've also got another, I've got a couple of frameworks that I'll send you because uh, we like to do that, you know, as consultants in our lives. Um, I'll send you another one too that might be, that might resonate with you as you try to go have that conversation. But um, Anastasia, it looks like you've had your hand raised as well. What are your, what are your, some of your thoughts here for, uh, for Nathan to think about? Hi. Um, I think it's important to pay attention to those trash can customers because ultimately, like Chris said, that they could show you a much bigger problem throughout the organization that will help you re-strategize and kind of divert the efforts into a different segment, whether it's the support ticket issue, whether it's product issue, whatever the situation is not getting addressed. But it's also important to remember that those trash can so-called customers are also your champions. They're bringing up uh, points that about your product that do not work, and eventually those customers could they might potentially want to renew with you but it's also our responsibility to address the issues in a positive matters and how we address them rather than ignoring them if we turn them into a success story then they will be more likely to renew yeah and i think it's a good point too that we i think it was um chris who had mentioned it earlier right like we need to understand the, the the crux of the issue the crux of the problem at the very beginning to understand how big it goes uh if it's going to be potentially you know even outside of your your book of business, Nathan, it's something that if you can, you know, if you can look at some of the root causes and you can go ask your other CSMs or ask other people in the organization, are other companies having this, then you actually might find that it's a bigger problem than you even know about just in your book of business. Uh, so and the customers, and the customers tell you the problem, that's, that's good that they're communicating. It's much better that they're giving it to you up front that, hey, we're having these issues, they're speaking up, because they wouldn't be bringing it up if they were interested in leaving or if they were, you know, something that was not a big uh, decision maker for them, decision factor, but if they're bringing it up to you, they want to also help you and use that information as a resource. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a stat out there that like silent customers are eight to 15 times more likely to uh, cancel your service if they're silent if it, versus actually just saying anything at all. So um, I think that speaks to that for sure. Thanks, Anastasia. Uh, Steven, let's hit it on you next and then we'll, we'll change questions here, uh, change gears for a minute. But uh, what do you have to, to add here for, for Nathan to think about? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, first thing I'll say is that um, just to preface what my comment here, uh, I've typically dealt in the enterprise uh, space. So um, I don't know how well this is going to translate over to 450 clients um, that you're managing right now. But kind of what I've done in the past is start by taking a look at the, the outcomes that those um, clients on fire are trying to achieve and start taking a look at how well do those outcomes pair with what your service or product is actually trying to deliver. Um, sometimes I have found that there's just a mismatch between 
what they're trying to achieve and what they may have been uh, sold or what they've decided to buy um, and start feeding that information back into uh, sales. Um, you know, it may be there is a, uh, you know, a miscommunication or, uh, you know, um, you know, the sales team is targeting the wrong market or, or something to that effect. Um, but then you can kind of go down the line from there. Okay. Uh, maybe, you know, there was a good fit there, but um, they're not getting value from, from the product itself. And then that can, you know, serve as a feedback loop into the product team and just really trying to understand why they're on fire in the first place. Um, because yeah, if there's a mismatch between the outcome and the value, then, you know, that I don't think that it's going to be worth your time, uh, to start trying to say salvage those clients because you can invest, you know, a ton of time into that and get nowhere, uh, because you guys are trying to achieve two totally different things. Yeah. And I love the point too, that you mentioned just about thinking about these voice of customer loops that start happening, right? We're getting all this feedback, like what's the right way to, to disperse it inside the organization? Um, you know, what are the right channels and mechanisms that we're doing that? So I think that's something to think about too, Nathan is, you know, what's inside the four walls of the company? Like what are, what are some of the current ways you guys do that? Um, you know, because you know, Steven's point, like you've got valuable information you can share with sales that can go into marketing that can also go to product. Um, it can go into customer org and support. Like there's so many different uh, pieces of feedback that you could be getting in real time to try and figure out, you know, where it goes and where it lives. Um, so I think that's a, a really good point to think about uh, for sure. Awesome. So uh, with that, we'll, we'll transition and kind of move to the next question, but just to kind of finish off on that one. So I think a couple of things that people have brought to mind just around um, uh, thinking about how do you categorize some of these customers? Uh, Nathan, how do you get in some of the segmentation of it and drive that conversation internally? Uh, how do you come up with the right framework to figure out, you know, inside the organization, like wh which bucket of customers should I focus on? Um, and I think subsequently that the other question to answer there too is just how big of a problem uh, are these customers who are in the trash can on fire uh, really, really having? Um, and is it something outside of just your customer uh, segment or customer cohort, you know, to try and get out of that um, as well? So I think there's a couple of pieces in there that hopefully you can take away and, and go um, drive some discussion. So um, let's move on to the next question here, which is from Ben. I think I saw Ben on here uh, and hopefully Ben doesn't mind coming off of mute. Um, but Ben, do you mind yep. just uh, lending a few, maybe a little bit of background on your question uh, just between customer success and support and give us some context. Yeah, sure. Hi everyone. Ben Shu here. Um, so I'm actually new to customer, customer success uh, in general. I just started a new role at a small supply chain software company. So everything is, is new to me. Um, I joined it as a CSM, so I'm just trying to absorb and learn as much as I can about any, um, so any sort of tips and, and guidance and any kind of operational advice you can provide would be helpful. But yeah, so, so my company is a little bit smaller, so the lines are, are blurred between sales and customer success. And we, we actually don't even really have a, a formal support team. Um, so, uh, I'm two weeks into the job and I'm just trying to figure out, you know, where, where that line is. Cause I know as we develop relationships with clients and customers, we definitely don't want them, at least from, from my point of view, I don't want to have to kind of point them to so many different people across the company. You know, I want to make it as seamless as possible, give them the best experience. Um, but then again, you know, there is a fine line between CES and support. Um, and it would just mention, I think on the first question where, you know, we're not support reps, uh, we're more focused on the strategic direction. So um, I guess what are some tips or advice to how to steer that conversation and how to approach it? Awesome. Yeah, Ben, welcome. Glad you, uh, glad you hopped into customer success and then uh, glad you, you know, joined this call, which is awesome. They're really fun. Thank you. Um, Thank you. 
maybe one a little bit more context uh, or one question that uh, I would have as well. You kind of mentioned, you know, there's not necessarily a clear delineation um, between, you know, you don't necessarily have a, a support team right now. So um, maybe one question to ask is just like, if there's something that you feel like you can't handle in software, is it generally kicked over to engineering or product? Is that how it works right now? Like how do you, if there is a challenge or a problem that you do have that, you know, and we don't have a support function, like I guess where's, where's the next resort for you? Like where do you kind of go inside the organization to actually get that solved for the customer? Right. Yeah, exactly. The, the development team. Um, so r right now, just cause we have so few clients, the, the customer usually will just blast out an email to, to everyone that they've, kind of encountered within the company. So that, that would be the sales rep, kind of the, the, the solutioning folks on the development team, and then the customer success team. Um, we've gone down a path within internally where they, they want kind of sales and development to be a little bit more hands-off until you know they absolutely need to be involved. Um, they want customer success to be the first point of contact. Um, so yeah, usually if there is some kind of technical issue, you know, we would go back to the development team for that. Awesome. That's good context. Uh, well, I think there's, I've got a couple of thoughts, but I'll, I'm going to kick it over to the group first and um, let's get with maybe Patricia, if you don't mind coming off of mute. Good to see you. And uh, maybe give, give Ben some of your thoughts just around um, how you might address some of this stuff. Oh, I think you're still on mute. Can you hear me now? Got it. Oh, cool. Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, sorry. It's good morning to most of you. Sorry. Um, so, um, I, uh, so Ben, just like yourself, um, I am in a relatively small company and we do have um, the support uh, function, but because of the type of product we have, we work in collaboration. Um, it is a very kind of blurred line, you know, because I can go and, and, and log, we work with Cisco, so I can go in and log a case with Cisco uh, and, or I can say, you know, pass it to one of the, the customer desks uh, to go and, and, and um, log a call. So I think, uh, I think it's about trust. You know, I, I see the word trust uh, thrown out there uh, quite a lot. And I think it's about the relationship you have with your client. So um, when, you know, I introduce myself to, to, to my client, I, I, I've never pitched myself as a product specialist. Um, I, of course, am expected to have some technical knowledge and I am expected to, um, you know, be able to train them, be able to guide them to do things. But then it's, it's, in, in my job, you know, uh, being able to tell them this is how far I can go. Um, I wouldn't be able to help you any further. However, I can help you. I can facilitate that transition so I can go to the desk with you kind of thing. I can help uh, explaining what the issue is and I can, you know, facilitate that passing on of, of, of the issue. So um, it's, it's up to you how, um, how hard or how you know how your organization sees it as is there a hard line i don't think there should be a hard line you know there's that conversation about cs being a layer that spreads around sales and support and uh, all all the parts of, of of the organization so you are hand holding regardless of which part of the organization you are dealing with uh so i think making it clear to the client from the, the initial engagement that you cannot be expected to be engaged in highly technical discussions at the same time they can expect some level of engagement from you what they can always expect from you is your help and your best efforts to put them in the right direction if you're not able to help yourself yeah okay good. i mean yeah i think that's helpful um patricia and i think another thing ben because i know right now you don't necessarily have a support team um and this is 
not something to like recommend you go do right now, but what I've heard some companies start thinking about doing as well um, to try and help with that delineation a little bit is almost like setting up um, a separate inbox or setting up, even though you don't have a different department, is just even starting the starting to acknowledge and saying, hey, you know, we've got a way to, to log support tickets. Um, here's the way to go do it uh, to your customers. And then they don't necessarily know, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to know that you're on the back end working those tickets um, and getting them done. But I think just trying to find like, what's the right cadence of trying to get your customers acclimated that there is a process, that there's other people who handle these tickets. And I think to Patricia's point, just like starting to at least give them a little bit of an inclination of like what the delineation is between sales, success, support, any other functions that we have in the organization could be a good thing to think about. Um, Again, we've had some customers think about putting in a um, like a shared inbox where it's like, hey, email support at whatever.com. And, um, you know, our support team will pick that up and you'll have, you know, somebody will work the case. And then, you know, it'd be Jeff. I'd be asking my customer to do that. And then I'd be on the back end actually working the ticket. But it just it gave the uh, perspective that or perception that they were, you know, getting passed off to a different department, that there's somebody else in the organization who's handling it. So it's another piece maybe to, to think about as well. But um, Gabriel, let's um, looks like you've got your hand raised. Hopefully it's not by accident like last week, um, and hopefully you've got some uh, you've got something to share here. Yeah, no, uh, thanks. Um, yeah, so that resonates with me. I've I've been in very similar experiences, Ben. So one thing I'd say to add to what Jeff was saying is that beyond the perception that you could give the clients by having separate queues and Zendesk or whatever it may be. Um, it also helps keep your things clean, right? Because then eventually you're, you're educating the customer on what kind of tickets or emails they send to you versus the support team. And that helps you keep those well divided because eventually your team is going to grow, whether you're the only CSM or there's two or three of you, right? That's going to help keep things organized for you guys. Um, I think it also becomes a matter of what is the expectation from your executive team on the service level that you're providing your clients? Right. Because there might be a point where there has to you want to make sure that you're setting the right expectation for them and that you're setting the expectation that your executive team wants. Right. Because even if you want to be at this level, but it's just not realistic because of your team size, you also want to make sure that that's you're setting the right expectation for your clients. Right. So I would check with your your manager or your director or your executive team and be like, what what is what are you expecting me in terms of response time for the people in terms of technical capabilities? Because then you're that also sets you up for success as an employee within the company. And, you know, we had that where I used to work where I, I was a junior project manager, which was like we were helping with implementation with training, with support, with upsell, like the whole thing. So very similar to what you were saying. And um, yeah, you had to explain to the customer at times that you're not as technical and you'd loop in other people. But for me, it really became more of expectation management with the client, you know, and it's important to have that clear because as you grow, maybe you are very capable right now of getting back to people within 15 minutes every time. But is that the expectation that you want to send depending on you, what those growth charts are looking like um, at your company? You know, I've had to learn with my current portfolio of 13, 1400 clients that I can, I don't want them to have the expectation that I can get back to them within an hour. Because even though my perfectionism pushes me to want to get back to them within an hour, I just know it's not realistic. And so I'd rather them have a realistic expectation. And then if I get back to them within an hour, they're pleasantly surprised versus them writing me at the 45 minute mark. Why haven't you gotten back to me yet? You know, so I think that is going to go a really long way when you, you're building out support and, and everything else. And you'll probably see that your team will start to split up and things grow and you'll have a support team and you'll have a training team and implementation team and so on. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Great. Thanks. Gabriel. Uh, perfect. Kevin, let's uh, hit with you and then we'll move on to the next topic um, as we kind of wrap it up for today. But Kevin, what are your, what are some of your thoughts here for Ben? 
So uh, this is actually something that I, I worked with a lot over at uh, Duetto in my last job. Um, and uh, one of the things that we did late in my, my career there was that we added the uh, support team. Uh, we were really the ones that were uh, driving a lot of the support issues um, previous to adding that support team. Uh, one thing that really hurt during the transition was that uh, our customers got really used to having that uh, that direct person that they could reach out to. And uh, when we transitioned to the support team, that actually uh, caused a lot of negative sentiment. Uh, so being able to, um, I, I like what Gabriel said was, was that you were setting an expectation of the, the time frame because we were so quick to resolve some of these issues that now not being able to reach out to a CSM uh, directly uh, for their issues uh, that already knows about past history what uh, was a detriment uh, to the overall experience. Uh, the second thing is that uh, now that we were given all this time, there were a lot of uh, CSMs that didn't know what to do at that time and didn't um, know how to now focus more towards a CS conversation where we're looking to drive adoption and, and build uh, towards desired outcomes. Uh, so we now realized that we had to retrain that entire department. Uh, so something to keep in mind that when you do make the eventual transition to customer success and having a dedicated support team that you should probably still already be in the motions of customer success. So that way, once you do make that full transition, you're not uh, caught holding a bag that you didn't intend on holding. Yeah, that's a great point, Kevin. You know, I mean, I think again, Ben, I'm sure it's tough in the, in the stage you're at right now where it's early stage, but eventually like I think both, Gabriel and Kevin mentioned there's there's probably scale for you guys down the road. And so starting to think about, um, yes, how can we make the best customer experience today and, and get the questions answered, get those things done. But at the same time, realizing that in the future, hopefully in the short, you know, in the short term and some you know coming months, there's going to be some scale that you guys are, are going to go through. And then you're going to have more team. You're going to have more people. You're going to have different departments that start to pop up uh, that can help solve that. So um, I think there's a couple things, Ben, hopefully that you got out of that, which was um, just starting to think about how to delineate, you know, potentially the perception of, you know, even if you don't have a support team, how do we kick some things over to support, get those things accomplished? Um, how do we make sure and try and establish trust in that relationship, uh, trying to help establish some delineation of like where your focus is, what you're really trying to help them accomplish. Um, I think there are a couple of things that come to mind, but hopefully, uh, hopefully there's some things you can take away there and, and go drive inside the organization. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Thanks everyone. Uh, great discussion. And yeah, I'm uh, happy to be here and eager to learn. So thanks. Perfect. Um, awesome. Well, there's, we've got about six minutes left, but I really thought this was a good question and I wanted to see if we could do some quick hits right at the end here. Um, but what questions have others asked to identify problems for unique projects, departments, or teams to get more engagement outside of your champion groups? So um, rapid fire, if you have a question that you like to use inside of your meetings um, and you want to throw it out there real quick, throw it in the chat or just raise your hand. Uh, but there's two questions that come to mind for me that I like to reference a lot, which is, um, what's currently on your whiteboard that needs to be off in the next 30 days? Because generally those are things that are cross-functional in nature. Um, I think a lot of times there's, you know, I tend to write things on my whiteboard that I'm not gonna be able to accomplish in the day or in the week. Like those are bigger things that, you know, I'm gonna need to be focused on down the road. So I think that's one question I like to ask um, a lot. The other, the other piece, I'd mentioned it earlier, but I just think um, generally people, you know, again, like our champions that we're working with have to go internally in the organization. They have to uh, you know, they're championing efforts, they're having internal meetings, there's probably some sort of meeting or presentation that they're going to have to do. So I always like to ask, you know, hey, what's your next presentation that's upcoming? Like, what are you going to have to present internally 
because uh, generally it's going to be cross-functional. Um, again, it doesn't, not every case, but like generally it's going to be cross-functional. You're going to have um, a good way to try and attach yourself to whatever that presentation is, um, especially if your product has anything to do with what they're presenting about. Uh, so those are two that come to mind, but anybody, I don't see any hands raised, but does anybody else have any questions that they like to throw out there inside of some of these relationships? Anastasia, perfect. What do you got? I think one of the ways you can uh, get engagement is uh, get customers to talk about their perspective on the product and talk about the perspective on experience. Maybe ask them to be part of the executive board meeting uh, review with uh, some of the clients or maybe have them present some of their challenges to the team so that they're engaged and they're talking about themselves. And as we established, people like to talk about themselves and talk about their experiences. Um, and that gives, you know, give them some uh, enticement to do that. Maybe throw a simple feature for a certain, you know, amount of time. Hey, you can try this new product. And a lot of people are anxious to try the new feature. They get excited about it. They want to learn more. They want to be those first test pilots to see how to make things better and have their opinion heard. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Um, awesome. Sean, uh, let's hit on you real quick and then we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Oh. I think you're on mute, Sean. Hold on, let me unmute you. There we go. Does that work? Yeah. Yeah. Hooked, hooked up to the car, so it had me muted. Um, one of my favorite questions to get folks to, to open up a little bit is to, you know, tell me about what you're working on for your customer. Tell me about what you're working on for your manager. Something that's uh, maybe grounded more in their day-to-day -day or, or weekly uh, sort of goals. So these folks, um, you know, can start to convey some of the, you know, maybe smaller pain points, smaller challenges that they're working on, and try to use that to build a little trust, right? Because I think we all tend to sometimes go in with uh, looking for that big, hairy, audacious goal or, or thing that's motivating them. And sometimes, you know, we don't have necessarily the, the trust of the report to get to that yet. So maybe starting a little bit smaller and trying to find out, like, you know, what are you working on right now? What did your boss just ask you to do? Like, let's talk about that. Maybe I can help you achieve that and then go from there. Awesome. I like that a lot. That's a good way to, to end it, thinking about how do you start small and work, work big. Um, and I think that, again, it all comes down to just relationship building. How do you start thinking about establishing that? And then it's, you know, relationships, as we probably all know in our lives, are uh, they're kind of on a growth curve. It's, you know, you don't start off with this great trust and authenticity that you build. Uh, you have to kind of earn that over time. So I think it's a great, John. Thanks. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys for another awesome session today. I think there's a lot of good questions that we just tackled. Um, you know, how do we think about the difference between support and customer success? Uh, what types of questions are we asking? Um, how do you think about, uh, you know, to Nathan's question, how do you think about which customers to focus on during certain scenarios? Um, how we're prioritizing our time there? Um, again, and then I think the, the first one that we let off with just, um, which I just forgot. So I forget which one we let off with, but we'll, uh, I'll, I'll find that later. Um, but appreciate everyone coming again today. This has been fun. Um, I know, like I said, we're, we're kind of in this test pattern. We're trying to figure out which kind of format's going to work as we go forward. So I'm going to send you a survey. I actually am going to send it this week. Um, so you guys will have it in your inbox in like actually 30 seconds. Um, cause I'm going to press send right now. And, um, and then we'll see if this resonated better in terms of just the format and flow of doing um, a little less of just a, speak, a singular topic and more about just Slido, like what are we all going through in our day-to-day -day lives right now that we can help answer. So um, let me know. And then as we get into next week, we're gonna start to invite more people, hopefully get more uh, diversity of opinions and uh, people on the call. Hopefully we're gonna start to expand this and that um, hopefully that'll create just better ideas um, that are coming into the conversation. So I'd um, love for you all to be a part of that um, as we get into next week and beyond, but appreciate everyone's time. Hopefully everyone has a good rest of the week. We have a good weekend and uh, we'll talk to you again next Tuesday. And thank you for spending some time with us. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.